0: This is the podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to Green Pulse, a podcast series by The Straits Times where we analyze the beats of the changing environment, from biodiversity conservation to climate change. I'm your host, Audrey Tan, and I cover science and environment for The Straits Times. My co host is David Fogarty.
1: Hi, I'm David, and I'm the climate change editor at The Straits Times.
0: In the second part of our discussion on green finance, we hear from Mr Eugene Wong, Chief Executive of the Sustainable Finance Institute Asia in Malaysia, as well as Mr Anders Nordheim, who is Senior Vice President for Asia Sustainable Finance at the Worldwide Fund for Nature Singapore. So earlier we discussed what exactly green finance is and all the issues surrounding definitions here in Southeast Asia. But, you know, here in Singapore, in the aftermath of COVID-19, we've also heard terms like carbon services being identified as an area of growth for the country. So Anders, I was wondering whether you could explain to us what exactly are carbon services, because it's another new term that a lot of people are hearing for the first time.
2: So carbon services are a group of products and services that contribute to delivering a low-carbon economy. So this can be things like development of low-carbon projects. It can be consulting and verification services for carbon credits or, or offsets. There's also a big market for carbon footprinting, especially for corporates. And there's activities around you know, project finance for specific uh, low-carbon activities. So it is a growing market, which reflects also the growth of the need to decarbonize the economy. And it really reflects what we need to do in order to meet the Paris Agreement objectives. So, first, we need expertise to remove high emission sectors, sectors that have viable alternatives. Like we need to remove coal from our fuel production and replace it with renewables. We need services to understand how to decarbonize. High emission industries like industrials. And we need support for development of innovative technologies. In the food sector, for example, there's there's a lot of interesting new things happening also in Singapore to replace or complement existing food production. And that's also can be linked to carbon services. And for carbon credits and and offsets, I think this is a, a great market for Singapore. It has great potential because. Singapore is well developed in the financial services. It's in an area that can both have a supply of credits and a demand for credits. And I think there's an opportunity here to really develop the carbon credit market in Singapore, and there are already steps underway towards this.
3: Carbon services are actually part of the sustainability ecosystem and they cover quite a number of areas like Anders was saying. Everything from low carbon project development to verification services to carbon footprinting services, offsets and carbon trading. And these services actually are provided to support green growth and development. But green growth and development can happen only when there is financing and green financing in this case. So the availability of green financing will help the carbon services sector. Green finance can help finance the adaptation of businesses towards greener practices, for example. This then creates opportunities for carbon service providers, especially in the uh, project development and advisory space. And some parts of the carbon services sector, such as carbon capture and storage, can also directly benefit from the availability of green finance. I think that transition efforts, which are financed using green finance, will also benefit from the availability of carbon footprint services because you might actually need to be able to show people how you've progressed over time. And Anders brought up the issue about carbon credit trading. That's really quite important. Uh, it's a service that's valuable in helping connect those who can't on their own reduce their carbon footprint right now, although I feel that they really need to work hard at it because offsetting all the way is just not sufficient for us to achieve the goals we want to. But they can use offsetting right now to help them achieve things that they'd like to but can't, but they can compensate someone else to achieve that outcome. I am actually a supporter of carbon offsets because I think they provide an interim solution, but I'm also cautious about over-reliance on carbon offsets for two reasons. The first is that if we look at all the net zero agendas that are coming out, they rely a lot on carbon offsets. I'm not sure we have that much in terms of offset assets available to meet everyone's aspirations. The second is that I am also concerned that there is an abuse of offset assets because There could be assets such as forests which weren't in danger or under threat right from the beginning, but they are packaged into a carbon offset arrangement. So what we're having is actually not progress, but just a relabeling or reclassification, or if you like to call it very creative accounting in terms of emissions, to try and say that we've achieved something when we really haven't achieved anything. If those forests weren't earmarked for any form of destruction they were there in the first place. So we are deceiving ourselves by counting those as offsets.
0: So now I was wondering whether we could focus on Southeast Asia as a region where, you know, carbon services and green finance is really needed. I mean, we know that here in Southeast Asia, we have large tracts of nature. We have peat swamp forests and mangroves and rainforests. So tell us more about the potential for carbon services or the growth of carbon services in our region.
2: So one of the many solutions that we are looking at in order to try to address the issues of climate change and nature loss, nature degradation, is things like looking at nature-based solutions or using nature as a, as a carbon sink or as a provider of coastal resilience or as a provider of environmental stability in the region. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of different projects that one can look at for that. Mangroves is one of them, peatlands, forest restoration. There's many different projects that can be used. And there's a growing interest now to look at some of these projects that traditionally have been primarily conservation projects and to see whether there are commercial elements in these projects that can enable them to exist also, because the commercial benefit will also provide a stability for those projects, but also to improve the viability, the long-term viability of those projects. So, for example, if you are in an area where there's lots of tourism, where there's coastal degradation one can look at using nature-based solutions such as mangroves in order to provide stability and growth for that region in order to support tourism, for example, ecotourism, as opposed to using other types of infrastructures such as building a wall or, or putting in some sort of industrial-type resilience product. And that's a, a really fantastic new opportunity that we see in the market. It's still challenging to develop, It's a little bit more challenging to develop than, say, traditional carbon products, but it's something that we expect to be a a big growth area in this region. And we hope to be able to use a lot of nature restoration, nature resilience, and nature-based infrastructure to help address some of the challenges that this region faces, both in climate change and also in, in natural degradation.
0: Now... If you like what you're hearing so far, do subscribe to our series Green Pulse on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Like us and give us a rating.
1: Why is Singapore in a good position to be an advocate for both carbon services and green finance? Is it because of its geographic location and because of it's, uh, it's a financial services hub? Or are there other sort of attributes that sort of make it perhaps a natural base for both of these industries?
3: Well, it's a very interesting question. And I think there is a relation between Singapore's green finance goals and also the carbon services agenda. So Singapore's already a financial centre, the wealth management hub. This places it in a perfect position to extend its strengths into green finance. And much of the infrastructure is already there and just Singapore just has to build out on that infrastructure. MS's Green Finance Action Plan does that very much by building capacity, developing markets, including through and financial centres, which I find very useful, and leveraging on technology. So digitalization and virtualization are actually very important. And while Singapore's geographic location are strength, I think that digital connectivity is also a key that shouldn't be underestimated. The approach used by Singapore in building itself as a financial center can also be used again to drive the carbon services sector. Green finance is the connector for the financial services segment and the carbon services segment. So green finance and carbon services can actually be mutually reinforcing in Singapore's case. Again, in the case of carbon services, I think that while Singapore may not have the hard assets, it has the infrastructure and the capability to connect the opportunities and needs from all around the region.
2: Yeah, I agree with Eugene. I mean, I think Singapore has a lot of the elements that are needed to be a hub for green or sustainable finance in this region including a well-developed financial markets, also expertise and uh, and good connections. So, So it also is very helpful to have a government that is taking active steps towards moving the whole economy, towards greening the economy through, for example, the Green Plan, because it shows a commitment that also people in this industry would be looking for in deciding where to establish themselves and and where to invest in in new capacity for sustainable investments, green investments and carbon services. So yeah, I do think Singapore is, is quite well positioned.
1: The potential for green finance and carbon services to grow is certainly there. But how fast do you expect both these areas to grow in Singapore and regionally?
3: Well, I think from a green finance perspective, it's certainly growing leaps and bounds. Just to give you an example, the ASEAN green bond standards were issued in late 2017. At last count, there was about 6.5 billion US dollars issued either as labeled as ASEAN green bonds or specifically aligned to the ASEAN green bond standards. So I think that's quite an achievement in itself. And you can see the growth coming in. Uh, The sustainability bond standards, which are sister set of standards, the ASEAN green bond standards, but include social elements as well. That's racked up $3.5 billion in label and aligned issuances.
0: But do you think the growth of these sectors would be fast enough to offset the decline in other kinds of sunset industries?
3: I think green-collar jobs are going to be very important, but they are not the only replacement for existing jobs and a structural shift in the employment market, so to speak. New jobs will be created through green activities and the question is really how singapore is able to leverage on the global demand for this which is naturally rising and it's rising not because it's a fad it's rising because six of the 20 most vulnerable nations to climate change are actually in ASEAN in the last period between say 2014 and 2017 we've seen 200 over serious floodings and cyclones and the likes That's 200 each, 200 floodings and 200 cyclones and the likes in ASEAN alone. So the damage that can be caused by climate change is actually very significant. The ADB estimates that by 2100, we will lose 11% of GDP as a result of climate change. And don't forget, in ASEAN, many of us actually live along the coastal lines. Uh, These are very vulnerable to climate change as well.
2: I think these are very important points from Eugene. The market here is not just Singapore, it's the whole of ASEAN. So if we want to build Asian economies that are resilient and are adapted to climate change and nature degradation, then we need people, we need resources, and we need funding in order to do that. And these sunset industries, as, as you call them, they're going to eventually disappear anyway, regardless whether Singapore moves into green growth or green industries. So this is really an opportunity for Singapore to move into an economy that will support the world of the future.
1: So finally, I wanted to end on a kind of a crystal ball question. You know, we're seeing the world of high finance sort of gradually changing. Green finance is becoming a bigger part of that. So eventually, will all finance have a green tinge to it if we're to control climate change and protect nature?
2: Every single Economic activity globally has to be aligned with climate change and nature objectives. And that also includes finance. So eventually, it's not going to be green climate or sustainable finance or things like that. It's, it's just going to be finance and it's all going to be sustainable.
3: Yeah, I totally agree with Anders on that. It's not about green finance being a standalone option. Because if we look at it, we often disconnect financing from the real economy. But really, finance is driven by the real economy. We're in danger when finance takes too big a role and drives the economy instead. It should be the other way around. And if our future is a sustainable future, then naturally finance as an enabler must be sustainable as well. So it will be a natural consequence that flows through.
0: So thank you both for joining us today and having this really insightful discussion, clarifying so many of the jargons that we've been hearing recently.
2: Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. And thank you, Audrey and and David and Eugene, for the interesting discussion.
0: Well, that's a wrap for Green Pulse, and we hope you enjoyed our discussion. For more on climate change and the environment, do check out our stories in the Straits Times. And don't forget to subscribe to our Green Pulse podcast series on your favourite audio apps. Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast@sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.